This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt, the CEO of SOM International. David, say hey. Hey, good morning, Mark. Always great to be together with you. All right. I'm also here with Dan. He's the CEO of Open Doors International. Dan, we want to hear a lot from you today. And I thought I'd start with this question. There's all kinds of amazing stories of how God has used people, ordinary people, to do extraordinary work all over the world, especially when we're looking at the persecuted church. Can you tell us a story, uh, just one inspiring story of perseverance and faith as you have been working with people through Open Door International? Yeah, thank you very much. I, I really am delighted to be here with my friend David and such a dear brother. And we've actually partnered together. Our two organizations have partnered together. And so we, we share that bond of having ministered together and also the bond yeah. of being fellow believers in Christ. I don't know if listeners are familiar with the World Watch list that is produced annually by Open Doors. And it estimates that there are about 360 million persecuted Christians in the world. That's a big number. And it's a huge number. Yeah. And and each of them is a precious believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And each of them, I believe, is striving to follow Christ wherever they are. Some of them live in places that like North Korea uh, or Somalia or other countries that are similar to those I've just mentioned. In other words, very difficult places to live as a Christian to do things that we take for granted, right? And I met one such person, that was last year, it's in a Central African country, uh, and she was a 15-year-old girl. And she had converted to Christ from Muslim background, and she converted just from reading the New Testament. So friends, putting Bibles in the hands of people makes a difference. It is a living word of God. And therefore, she got a New Testament from a friend of hers. She started reading it. And by reading it, she was uh, and she encountered the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his claims. And she praised him and thanked him and called upon him and asked him to save her and deliver her. And she became a believer. Well, one day she went to school, didn't put the Bible away carefully. Her mother found it. And when she came back, there was her mother holding it furious. And her mother assaulted her and said, what is this? She said, well, mom, I'm actually now a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, no, you're not. That is not your historical faith. And you need to change back instantly. Well, her mother made every effort to force her to change. She kept saying, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So when I met this young girl, she was telling us this story. And the story got worse because then her mother sent her off to be tortured and worse, just to convert, to reconvert her, she never changed. And she was telling us this story animatedly, her eyes burning with what I believe was a fire of the Holy Spirit. And indeed, when I asked her at one point, I said, look, this story is gripping, but let me ask you one thing. Were you ever tempted as you went through the beatings and the torture and all of that to say, I'm giving up, it's not worth it? Her eyes became even brighter as she looked at me straight in my eyes, and she said, never. How could I abandon the Lord Jesus Christ? He is everything to me. And you know, oh, brothers, you know, my faith was just refreshed at that moment. You know, I just said, Lord, thank you, because this dear girl who is now living in a safe house because her mother could not take her back, and... Mm. 
who is protected and cared for because that safe house is something that we support and it's run by a dear lady who has a nickname of Dorcas, right? Get, <laughs> you're probably wondering, yeah, yeah, why does she have such a nickname? Well, you know what I mean. And <laughs> so she's in that safe house. She's well taken care of. She's growing in her faith. She's reading the Bible freely and praise the Lord because she's back in school and she will become an influencer in her nation. She will tell others about Jesus. Yeah, for the listening audience, say, I just want to encourage you, if you don't recognize that name, look that up in your Bible and you'll understand the context there of Dorcas. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, Dan, what are some of the other pressing challenges that are being faced by the persecuted church right now? And what's Open Doors doing in order to address those incredible challenges that persecuted Christians face? Oh, yeah. Well, if you talk about Sub-Saharan Africa, and Brother David would know this, we have worked out that actually the big, the largest, most persistent form of persecution in Sub-Saharan Africa is violence, plain, ugly. Just plain violence. Plain violence, killings, abductions, rapes, torture, burning down of people's homes, granaries. That, that's what, you know, most Sub-Saharan Africans face. If you go to Latin America, the persecution there is directed at pastors. They are shot and killed because they're speaking up and saying, look, criminal gangs, stop what you're doing. Turn to Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And they don't want to quit that life. And so what they do is they come after the pastors. And many of them have been shot and killed, sometimes in the presence of their families. If you go to the Middle East, the challenges people face are that Christians are under such pressure. They're traditional uh, sort of long-serving, long-living uh, Christians who have been there for hundreds of years. They want to leave. They want to emigrate. They're saying enough. You know, we just can't take this anymore. But there, there is still the presence of God because those who are now filling the, the spiritual church, you know, not the physical sort of building, people from uh, a Muslim background, and so they are turning to Christ in large numbers because they really see him as the hope and the salvation for their lives. And for that, we really praise God. But as they do that, they are under pressure from their families. Mm -hmm. They're under pressure from their communities. When you go to Asia, which in our case, you know, includes North Korea, what you find is really places where you can't even say you are a Christian, a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you do, you're immediately ostracized, mistreated, denied everything, including the opportunity to study or even getting a school place if you're a child or even being able to, you know, get basic items like medicine and foodstuffs. And, and obviously, across all those regions, people die. Last year, we recorded over 5,000 people killed, martyred because of their faith in Christ. And these are people with families. They are the sons of people or daughters. Uh, and the other thing that we have found, which Brother Dave is aware of through the work of Helen Fisher, is that women are exposed to double the types of pressure points that men face, right? Because they're vulnerable and so they're exposed to, you know, the whole range of things that have to do with their gender as women in contexts such as the ones I've described. So we come alongside all these dear brothers and sisters, and, and we, we often say that our number one desire is that every persecuted Christian should know they are never alone. They are, someone is praying for them. Someone is thinking of them. Someone is caring for them. And I know that in SOM, S-O-M, this is the same thing. You, you, we don't want any persecuted Christian to know they are, to feel alone. And so one, we want them to know they are never alone. Number two, 
we actually pray for them to continue with the great and wonderful task Jesus has given us of his great commission. Because as a share and witness, that is one of the reasons why they are persecuted. I still remember vividly an older man telling us when we said to him, why do you get all these attacks? He said, well, because we're an evangelizing community. We tell people about Jesus. And the guys, the people who attack us don't like it because people are turning to Christ and they're losing numbers. And he said, it doesn't matter how much they attack us. We will never stop. This is our commission and we are going to continue. Well, hey, we got to run to a break. That's incredible. It's powerful. When we get back from this break, we'll hear more from Dan and what he's doing with Open Door International. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. Every Sunday in America, over 60 million people freely walk into the doors of a church fellowship. But not everyone enjoys this kind of social freedom. Christians face harassment in 145 countries around the world. Some even give their lives today because of their faith in Jesus. Persecution is harsh. Women and children are the most vulnerable of all people groups. But be inspired that your family in Christ is boldly sharing love and hope, despite local officials doing everything they can to silence them. In fact, let me assure you that our prayers today bring them comfort and love. Thank you for standing with our persecuted family. To stay informed and to help assist, go to spiritofmartyrdom.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. He is the CEO of SOM International. I'm also online with Dan. He's the CEO of Open Doors International. Dan, you unpacked so many different places that there is tremendous persecution. So my next question is this. What are you guys doing to address these issues? And how in the world do you prioritize? How do you decide that you're going to make a safe house in one place? You're going to give Bibles somewhere else and you're going to provide food or relief or you're going to train some church planters. How, what are you doing and how do you prioritize those things? Yeah, we have a core value that says we are persecuted church driven. And what that means is we really go at the pace of the persecuted believers and we listen to them first before we quote unquote, design a program. And and I assure you, we have the same level of sophistication in terms of how we design those programs as you would find in some of the larger, you know, Christian nonprofits. And, you know, it goes through the, the typical stages of, you know, the assessment stage, which is the listening. What are the pressure points that people describe? You know, where is it pinching? Where is it hurting? And we take careful note of that, how many are, you know, affected by this and, and what does this do to you and how can, and then eventually you get to design, which is where you ask questions of, well, how do we then, how can we help best help you? How can we come alongside you? And, you know, since the days of Brother Andrew, there's one consistent thread that amazes us up to today. Very often, persecuted believers will say, the most important thing I need is prayer. Mm. And that kind of blows us away, you know, because (laughs) you're looking at some of those scenes, there's devastation, there's hurt, there's death in some cases. And then people say, what we need most is prayer. And, but you know, that is how Christ designed his body, right? When one part suffers, we all suffer. And our way of suffering is that we dedicate the time 
we make the sacrifice to remember these brothers and sisters in prayer. And I personally, my prayer life has been transformed as a result of serving persecuted Christians. And therefore, I say that those of us like me and David and others who are involved in this space, our prayer life gets transformed because mm-hmm. suddenly you understand God's heart for the persecuted church. Mm-hmm. You understand that our role, if we are not being persecuted, is really, really stand with them. And so that's the first thing to ask for. Then we go into now the material needs. So some people may say, you know, our greatest need right now is food assistance because our granaries have been burned down. We have no seed for the next season. And so we'll provide seed and we'll provide food to carry them until they're able to plant grain and and harvest it. Other people, because let's say they've been tortured or beaten, their greatest need is just some medicine, you know, something to salve their wounds, you know, uh, see a doctor. And so we provide that. And then uh, in some cases, what happens is people's businesses have been destroyed. And so what we do is we say, okay, what will it take to rebuild your business? And we get some people who really understand how businesses work and they craft a, a plan. And, you know, we advance them a sum of money to rebuild their business because obviously these are people like us, you know, they have dignity. They know the Lord has given them a mind and hands and feet and they can work. So they want to get back on their feet if they were business owners, you know, running their own businesses. And those businesses often cater to the whole community. So it's a form of witness to it if they're a minority within a community, how they deal with people, how they show them respect and love. That's a form of witness. If they can't quite do it, you know, openly the way we would be able to do it in freer places. Uh, So the way we prioritize, uh, Mark, is we go with what, the persecuted Christians need. And then we craft, you know, a basic plan around that. And then we obviously uh, go to supporters and say, here are the needs in this country or in other ways. And then once the funds are provided, then we take care of uh, the persecuted Christians. So David or Dan, either one of you jump in on this question. Let's say our listener wants to get involved with supporting or praying for the persecuted church. Where do they start? Well, I want to affirm, jump in for a moment here to affirm what Dan's saying there. I mean, you know, the heart of God is listening. Um, you know, the hero Israel, the first thing of the Shema is to hear, listen. And it, true leadership starts in listening. And I think we've all seen leaders who call themselves leaders who even might say they're listening, but they're not, you know, because there's not only do we need to, you know, have the the right target, but if you have the right target, if you're not listening how to get to the target, we can really end up injuring a lot of people. So, Dan, uh, plotting that. So how do we begin to hear? Well, one of the other things that Obadors and all the organizations we rally around is the prayer issue. Prayer is really listening yeah. more than even speaking. And so an uh, international day of prayer for the persecuted church is something that all of us organizations rally around. That's a good entry point. Mm-hmm. And so I want to advertise that for people to go uh, check out Open Doors stuff for sure. Check out our stuff that we're putting out and just, you know, use those tools to energize people for prayer. Uh, Dan, I'll toss it back to you. Any other thoughts down that line? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the way we we do the prayers is we compile the prayer needs, and then they are disseminated across the the ministry. And every day we pray over those prayer needs, and we keep praying until we see the work of the Lord in shifting that in some way. Now, some things take a long time. You know, Brother Andrew praying with others for the fall of, you know, the, the wall. And that took a long, long time. And so sometimes there's like a 10-year prayer campaign. 
And I love that because, you know, a 10-year prayer campaign, if, you know, one has a short-term perspective and you just want things done within your lifetime, then you you, you won't support that. You'll say, oh, no, I want this done while I'm here. But if you just, you take God's perspective, which is long-term and say, Lord, your body will always be here until Jesus returns. If it's a 10-year prayer campaign, I'm on it for however long I'm able to to be on this earth to contribute to it. Dan, I'm glad you mentioned that because if people want to begin to get on the list of Hebrews 11, that that's the kind of prayer they had. Abraham and all the listed Amen. patriarchs had a long-term vision in prayer and faithfulness. And, uh, and I love that. And I think the first in prayer is always hearing from the Lord. Like, what is most on the Lord's heart? Because obviously that's going to get fulfilled. And God sees the long-term um, you know, plan. All right. Well, hey, I think we've got to wrap up this episode. So, hey, it's been so great to hear from you guys. And I want to encourage our listeners uh, to step out and becoming a better leader and for that matter, a better supporter of leaders for those who are risking much for the gospel, risking much for the kingdom of God. At Risk Radio invites you to get involved with those who are risking much through a number of different things. First of all, by subscribing to our newsletter. Uh, Our newsletter comes out every month and uh, you can see pictures and stories of those who are risking much for the gospel. And that is a way to fuel your prayer. You can sign up for that at atriskradio.com. Dan, we want to give an opportunity for people to jump on the internet and look at what's happening with Open Doors. What URL should they go to if they want to find out what's going on with Open Doors International? Yeah, thank you, Mark. OpendoorsUS, one word, dot org. OpendoorsUS.org. OpendoorsUS.org. And uh, you can find out what's happening with Open Doors International. If you want to find out what's happening with SOM International, that's spiritofmartyrdom.com. And finally, we have a bookstore that is a way for you to donate in exchange for books. And those donations go towards those who are risking much for Jesus. And that's at SOMbookstore.com. Well, hey, that's it for now. And uh, it's so glad to have you guys on the show today. Until next time, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.